In a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello, and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. Today's episode is on tourism, the guide to traveling like a local, and it doesn't even have to be traveled, how to create a local experience. And before I go there, I just wanted to give, kind of set the stage for what this podcast is all about and be really authentic. As most of you know, I'm in Northeast Wisconsin, and I hear a lot of people who don't see themselves as adventurous. And I own that sometimes too. Yesterday, I had planned to get together with a college friend who lives about two hours away. And we were up for anything initially early in the week. We were up for anything. So we were maybe going to go cross country skiing or snowshoeing. And I was going to take the kids and it was going to be this really exciting adventure. And I woke up on Saturday morning and was really trying to talk myself out of it. I had so many reasons. I'm like, well, I kind of have a runny nose. It's three degrees here with the wind chill and it's supposed to snow potentially five inches tonight. Do I really want to be traveling in it? I literally had made an entire list of why I didn't want to do it. And then my husband and I got talking and we're also in the middle of our next home renovation project. So my husband was even saying I could stay home and work on this project and get everything ready so that the contractors can do the next work. Like we legit had an entire list of reasons not to adventure yesterday. Then we embraced it and just said, you know what, let's just do it. It's going to be good for the kids to get out of the house. We can be home tomorrow. We can do whatever we need to do tomorrow. Let's just do it. We haven't seen this friend of mine in over a year, well over a year. And so we just embraced the suck. I'll just say that because we knew it was kind of going to be a crappy experience, but we had to embrace it. And I am so glad we did. So here's what we did. We went to Blue Mound State Park. We ended up choosing to go cross-country skiing, which we're using a lot of borrowed equipment. So my five-year-old is using equipment that's probably made for like a 12-year-old. It did not fit, but that's what he chose. He wanted to do it. And I was annoyed and frustrated. It was cold. And there were times when I'd be like, why are we doing this? why are we doing this? We were kind of all having our moments. I wouldn't rate it as like one of those epic adventures that we all loved. It was like, eh, we got out of the house. It was okay. <laughs> we had brought the dog because that was the other highlight is like, I don't have to hurry up and get home and let out the dog and the dog's going to be crazy when we get home. So we brought the dog along. Dogs, by the way, are not allowed at Blue Mountain State Park. So then the dog had to stay in the car. And from there, we went to Madison which is where my friend is from, we had also brought our ice skates. Again, we threw everything in. We didn't really know what we were going to sign up for. We went to, I'll put the link to the place in the show notes. We went to a park in downtown Madison where they have a pond and it's frozen. And it is kind of a free for all. You know, there's, because we had our own skates, we didn't have to rent anything. And it's this huge frozen pond that we could skate on. And it was cold, you guys. It was freezing rain at this point, like a little bit of the pelting rain. And there were big gusts of wind. And I remember looking at my friend Megan and going, this is miserable. Why are we doing this? But our kids, my kids were loving it. And we just kept laughing because they would like run into the snowbanks and fall over. And my son's hat was completely covered in snow and they were just loving it. And I was thinking, I'm cold. 
these aren't the greatest conditions. Like, why are we enjoying this? And she's like, yeah, sometimes you just need to embrace the suck. It'll be better later. And I think that is the whole purpose of Ordinary Sherpa. That while sometimes we want the adventure to be this epic experience, to be this cover of adventure and have all of the things and check all of the boxes, sometimes we just need to challenge ourselves to get out of what's comfortable into a place that's uncomfortable. And then in the end, we can say, you know what? It's okay. We did it. We enjoyed the experience. We're so glad we did it now. The dog had a blast at the second park and got a ton of running done. And it, we did it. We did it. That's what we do, is we embrace adventure even when we don't want to. (laughs) And the kids are off sledding right now, so I have a moment of quiet in my little closet that I record in to, to put forth this story and hopefully give you all permission to do something that just doesn't feel like it's something you want to do. And I will have to tell you, this moment of embracing what I did yesterday was something that a listener actually told me. They were in the same boat about a week ago and they were like, oh, it's going to be cold. I don't really want to go there. We're going to have to drive there. We're going to get back late. And she said, you know what? I heard your voice in the back of my head and I said, oh, get off the couch and just go do it. And I'll be honest, it was that email to me that said, if my listeners are doing it, then I better stand in that space and do it myself. So I just want to say this is a two-way street that I'm really excited that I can be inspiring you, but you are also inspiring me. Ordinary Sherpa is going to hit its 90-day anniversary. We've been out into the universe for almost 90 days, and I have been so inspired by my listeners who engage both in the Facebook group and just everywhere. I'm hearing such amazing things, and it's so inspiring. So I just want to give a shout out Anyone who leaves a written review, I always read them. I read everything. If you send me an email, a post on Facebook, a written review, I'm always reading them. So I just want to give a shout out this week to someone who left a written review. And I don't know who this person is, so I just want to say thank you. It totally gives me momentum when I get written reviews like this. I'm just going to share it. This is from Falcon 5 Mama, and it says, Great inspiration for family adventures. As soon as I started listening, I felt like I was listening to myself talk. So many similar family goals to build adventure into our family, and I love all the ideas for adventure, both big and small. I highly recommend for families. Those are the types of things, you guys, even when I'm quietly sitting in my closet recording these episodes for you, those are the things that give me the energy to continue to put out good content because this is why we do this work. Today's episode is on tourism. And to get started, I want to let you know that this is going to be a thread in the ordinary Sherpa space. Part of the reason I, if you go back to my story in episode one, you'll hear that I didn't necessarily always want it to be about travel per se. And when we go on travel, it's not always about the touristy things. I don't like to be sold admission for a bunch of stuff based on how much a company has for marketing dollars. I really wanted an authentic experience that aligned with our family values. And over the years, I've said untourism is what we strive for. But I don't know that I've really ever explained what untourism is or how we go about it. So that's what this episode is going to be based on. For us, untourism is the concept of living like a local. And I'll put this challenge out at the very end. I want you to think about wherever you live, what is the local experience? What are the adventures that you embrace that you would share with friends or family that don't necessarily cost anything? I'm going to give you a guide. If you subscribe to my email list, I'll give you a guide to Northeast Wisconsin. I'm going to just put it together for you and share. I think there's almost like 50 things on that list that we'll just do 
with friends that visit or family or just ourselves, even on a long weekend that really help us get outside and enjoy what our local experience is all about. And it also gives a nod to small businesses. And I think especially during this pandemic, we have really had to dig deep and support because these are our neighbors. These are our friends. And we wanted to give a shout out when we could and support some of the local small businesses because they're the fabric of this community. That's a little bit of what I mean when I say travel like a local. We're looking at things that a local would experience. We're unearthing hidden gems that benefit local people, the environment. And I'm not opposed to tourism, just to say this. I always feel like tourism really benefits the big dogs, and we like to really support the underdogs. Untourists typically are the ones that would flock to unpopular destinations. So I'll just give you a sense of this. I know in 2020, And in 2021, even with the way things are shaping up in terms of travel, we're seeing a lot more people head out west. And we did it. I mean, we went on our 12-day RV experience in 2020. And I said to my husband, I said, I think we're going to go east this year because I just saw some statistics that are showing that everybody wants to go west. So I really want to go the opposite direction and find where are the other things? Where are the hidden gems along the east coast that I want to see as a family that we haven't even been there? We haven't explored that yet. So what might that look like this year or in future years? We have never decided our travel itinerary based on Instagram. I love Instagram. I don't want to give you the impression that that's not a good source of information. But I also felt like it was not necessarily doing good. I started to feel like it was exploiting and making things actually, it didn't benefit the local communities. People just don't respect the spaces or they're so into getting that epic shot or that epic thing that they saw that they don't have any regard for like the local cultural norms. And that's what I don't want. And I think the damage of Instagram has done is it's created this culture of getting the epic shot and not necessarily having an authentic experience. So that's my challenge for everyone is when you are inspired by Instagram, that's great. Put it in your bookmark, maybe explore it, but then do your research and really understand how do I have this experience? What about this experience am I trying to cultivate? Am I just getting the epic shot or is that just Insta-worthy? You know, am I really striving to have an authentic untourist experience? As I got into untourism, we learned not only about the opportunity to create these immersion experiences. It's less about going to a tourist destination and being sold admission and more about immersing yourself in the local culture. And these don't happen. It doesn't have to be like a month long immersion. Okay, these happen for us in small tidbits in weekends, sometimes just in a day where we get to know people and then we immerse ourselves in what their local flavors and experiences might be. We see these differences as opportunities. As a tourist, I don't want to feel like, oh, they're only telling us this because that's where they're getting their money from. That's how they're making money. So they feel like the more sales, the better. And I don't want to come across that way. I'm also very careful about what I share with you because I'm not trying to sell you on anything. I don't want you to give the impression that I'm getting something in return. This is really coming from a place of generosity. Some of the ways untourism is different from tourism is that tourists might go to a guidebook and look up the things in this area. They might enjoy specific amenities, such as the comforts of a hotel room or a hot shower or a specific type of mattress on their bed, whereas untourists are more likely to ask locals for the insights and look for more of a hosted environment as opposed to a comfort or luxury environment. Again, it's not an anti-tourism. It's just a way to reset your expectations and make things a little simpler. 
We really got on the untourism journey, and it's probably been a long time coming, in part because I have a large family all over the world, and I was able to really get their insights on what to do when we were at these locations. But I think when we really started to embrace the lifestyle was when we started to travel with our two little ones. I remember our first Airbnb experience. We were staying in the basement of someone's house, like a mother-in-law suite. So there was a little apartment with a kitchen and a bedroom. And we also got used to their backyard. And it just felt so much more relaxed. We do not do well in hotel rooms. Anytime we travel with children now, I think we've been in a hotel once, maybe twice. We really have shied away from hotels in general. We need not necessarily space, but we need separation. And having everybody with two beds in a room together, (laughs) there just wasn't a space for people to separate themselves and have nap times and keeping a little sense of structure in our lives. We just found the hotels were really restrictive. And I always felt like we didn't have an authentic experience then. Like then we were being sold on all the amenities of the hotel. When we first got into Airbnbs, it was really authentically local. I think it's gotten a little too trendy for us even. We're starting to shy away from it. But we have found that that's when we really got to talk with the hosts and learn what was happening in their local area. We prefer it when the hosts are on site because we can communicate with them and build some interaction and have community and still have private space. But we're having these conversations and interactions and learning more about what is unique to your community and to the space that you would recommend or that you do with your family. As we got that lens of using a local host, that's been more the lens now that we use in terms of what are the options? We create the menu, we do some research on the local area. We were staying in Southern Oregon and we were camping and we pulled into this RV park and we didn't really have any idea. I mean, we just grabbed this park because we found it and we knew we needed hookups for a day. And we got there and I said, so we don't have anything planned for the next 24 hours. Any suggestions of what we could do just in walking distance or, you know, within a mile of here? And they said, yeah, if you go on the trail through the woods, there's this old tree that's knocked down. It's kind of a bridge. Walk across the bridge to the other side and there's like a little waterfall and a really shallow space. I said, "Okay, is it kid friendly? And they're like, absolutely. It's super shallow. It's going to be cold, but it's super shallow and you can play there. And that was one of those magic moments where... I guess to go back to episode four, the magic of micro experiences, it was cold, but it was so refreshing. And the kids were just playing and stacking rocks. And it was it was really cool. So that's one of those things I would never have found in a guidebook. We simply asked someone for an idea and they said, oh, yeah, this little area over here is really cool. Another thing we did was when we were in Alaska, my son really wanted to go salmon fishing. And so thankfully, I have family there. My aunt and uncle said, well, we have rods and reels. We'll just walk down to this one spot and you can fish. And it wasn't this big excursion. It didn't cost us a bunch of money. We didn't, he only snagged a salmon, which isn't even legal. So of course we put it back, but it was just fun to kind of congregate and talk with the locals and see what everybody else was getting. It wasn't a competition. We didn't feel like we didn't even want the salmon to come home with us because we had already gotten halibut. Like there were so many things about that moment that were perfect for us. My son got this awesome experience trying to fish for salmon, catching a salmon, seeing the salmon go upstream. As I asked him, I said, what was one of your favorites? He goes, oh, it's definitely salmon fishing up north in Alaska. On the other end of the spectrum, A lot of times our destinations are based on, so my son, my 10-year-old has a goal of hitting all of the Major League Baseball stadiums before he graduates from high school. 
And my daughter has a travel goal of hitting all of the national parks before she graduates high school. There's quite a difference. There's double the national parks. And so when we can, we try to optimize and we choose locations that have both. In one random fair sale that Southwest happened to have, it was maybe $59, I think, to travel to Cleveland. Probably not on anyone's travel list. But for us, it worked because we had not been to the Cleveland Stadium and we had not been to Cuyahoga Valley National Park and both were within reach. So it was just going to be a quick four day weekend. And we obviously had time to fill because we weren't going to be doing too much in there. And there were two things I think I took away from that experience. First of all, we had no expectations going into it. So there were things like we went to the Federal Reserve Museum just to kill time because we didn't have anything planned. And we learned a lot about money. I don't know if it would be a highlight, but it was really fun. We went to a place that I knew my kids would eat the food. So not necessarily a local experience. We just went to a random diner before we went to the game because they had pancakes. And my kids love pancakes and I knew they would eat it. And we were kind of out of sorts from traveling And we went in with no expectations. We didn't tell anybody where we were from. We went in and tried to blend in and be locals in this environment. And it was kind of off hours. We got talking with the waitress and she was amazing. I really hope we left her an amazing tip because afterwards we still say like that was one of the highlights of our trip. The kids ordered chocolate milk. Well, I was expecting it just to be like chocolate milk out of a dispenser or out of a gallon. Well, they didn't have that. So the waitress made them chocolate milk with chocolate syrup in milk and stirred it all up. And right, it's not a big deal. But we were sitting at the counter watching this. And I was like, wow, you guys are getting special treatment. And she turns around and she goes, Mom, look away for a little bit. And I was like, oh, what's going to happen? She gave all of my kids a spoonful of chocolate syrup to just eat. (laughs) And yeah, it was just one of those moments my son ended up spilling it all over his shirt. And she kind of laughed. She's like, I was trying to hide that, but I guess we're not going to hide it anymore, are we? You know, it created one of those very unique, memorable moments that you couldn't have planned for. And my kids still to this day, they're like, "Ah, if we go to a diner, do you think we'll get some chocolate syrup on a spoon? (laughs) Because they made that experience for my son. The other thing in Cleveland, we asked a couple of locals, and this was in a Facebook group prior to going there. I just asked if anyone was in the Cleveland area, anything, we've got to fill some time, anything you would suggest. And on one of the beaches, it was really common for there to be sea glass because there was a marble factory not too far away and they used to throw the marbles into the lake. I'm not the expert on this, but I just believed whoever told me that. And they said, go to this beach. You'd be surprised, especially after a storm. There's usually some really awesome sea glass there. OMG, you guys. (laughs) We had so much fun pining through all of the different sea glass and trying to find different colors. And we just took a small little Ziploc bag. We were allowed. We were checking to make sure it was allowed to take some. And people were like, yeah, you can take whatever you want. So we took a little bit and it was just one of those things where we spent hours going through sea glass. And every time we thought we were done, we're like, oh my gosh, look at this one. And we'd find more. And it was a gorgeous afternoon activity in a very low key way that we were able to curate this local experience and be on tourists. Nobody else. There was maybe 10 or 15 other people there. It was not something that people were flocking to. And those are the hidden gems that really become the fabric of our travel stories and our adventure stories. Those are the types of connections that we start to create. And it's because of that authentic experience that we feel is really fun. We found other gems and I'll just highlight a couple more. When we were in Utah, we were skiing and we kind of were hitting all of the big ski resorts and someone mentioned Powder Mountain. 
And Powder Mountain was not even on our radar. We had not even heard of it. And probably my best skiing experience in my entire lifetime was at Powder Mountain in Utah. So a big shout out to Powder Mountain. It's a very unique local type experience. It's super affordable. And it was definitely, uh, we've traveled with people who have skied all over the world and they said Powder Mountain was one of their favorites. So I felt like that insight, that local experience really gave us a very authentic and meaningful experience. A couple of other things I'll highlight just in terms, I feel like national parks have become tourist traps. So now we have to create our own experience. Like how do we go deeper? How do we get off the beaten path? How do we get away from the roadside attractions to some of those other things that are unique about Yellowstone, for example? Did you know that Yellowstone has over 50 waterfalls? And yet most people see two of them, maybe three of them if they're lucky. And we learned a little bit about all these waterfalls. I have like a nature crush on waterfalls, by the way. So I apologize. You're going to hear a lot about waterfalls in my stories. We decided just to explore where some of them were. And we went to Moose Falls. It's just one of them. There were so many more that we could have hit up. But it was just fun. And it's not super long. I think it was maybe a three-mile hike to Moose Falls. Yeah, just a completely different experience getting off the beaten path. The other thing I would say is sometimes now I have an eye towards that. So when we were in Northern California, I knew we were going to be at Lawson Volcanic National Park. And I wanted to know what else is in the area. And then I think it's episode four, I talk about brown sign adventures. And thanks to one of my listeners, Aaron Schrager, I want to give you a big shout out here. He sent me what the technical definition of a brown sign is. So I'm just going to read it really quick. A brown sign is technically a recreational and cultural interest area sign that marks a recreational or cultural interest area and are attractions or traffic generators that are open to the general public for the purpose of play, amusement, or relaxation. Recreational attractions include such facilities as parks, campgrounds, gaming facilities, and ski areas, while examples of cultural attractions include museums, art galleries, and historical buildings or sites. I just got a kick out of this, and I thought, since I've been talking enough about brown signs, I want you guys to know what I'm talking about. It is actually regulated in the U.S. and governed by some fancy organization that Aaron had insight knowledge into, and he shared it with me. So I wanted to just put that that plug out there. Thank you so much, Aaron, for that. Getting back to brown signs in Northern California, MacArthur Bernie Waterfalls. I could not believe that that waterfall is in the United States. I felt like I should be in some place in South America. It is absolutely gorgeous. And those were the things that I never would have known to look for had I not been searching just for a space. Like I said, those brown signs for me now are little targets that I look for to know that there's got to be some little hidden gems in these areas. And then there's other ways where we create our own experience. So for example, Savannah is really well known for its history and architecture. And I know our family well enough to know that my three kids probably would not be the best tourists on an architecture tour, walking tour trolley. Like, I just knew that that probably wasn't going to be the best option for us. So instead, we created kind of our own unique experience where we started to recognize and point out the architecture. I didn't necessarily know. I'm not the expert in architecture, but it was interesting to us that we would point out the differences. And so the kids became really curious. And we went on this little adventure to see how many different doors we could find. And when we found a different door that had a very unique design, we would take a picture of it. And we were going to see how many different types of doors we could find in Savannah. Then I think we looked at roadways because there's brick roads and there's rock roads and there's cement roads and there's all these different types of surfaces. So that became a thing. It was just a really fascinating way to keep the kids engaged, to see these different sites of a city. And it doesn't cost you anything, yet you're really learning about the local 
I guess for lack of a better word, attractions. These are the things of this community that make it what it is. It's very unique to this community. That kind of rounds out location-based on tourism. We also will use activity-based on tourism. So for example, if we're going somewhere warm or it's in summer, my kids love swimming. We love water. Here's a couple examples of how we use that activity of swimming to inform what our our untourism experience might look like. Three different ways that we have found beaches or swimming holes or pools that we could swim in that were really low cost and really provided a very unique and memorable experience. One of them was in St. Louis. We were traveling to St. Louis on a road trip with a family. Our kids were pretty young and it was hot. And we just said, you know what? We just need to go play in water. Well, most communities have these rec pools owned by Parks and Rec, or they have splash pads. It was not this huge water park. So I'm from Wisconsin. Many of you have probably heard of Wisconsin Dells. It's got the largest water park capital of the world. And so, but they're really expensive. I think it's like $75, probably more than that per person. It's great, but it's also oversold in some ways. And we didn't necessarily need that. Our kids were really young. They just wanted to go jump in the pool. They didn't need all of water park stuff. They just wanted to get wet. It ended up being the perfect thing for our family that day. We cooled off. We had fun. We spent the entire day. And I think it was probably $12 for our entire family. We also have found places. So we've made it a destination. We had a year where we knew we weren't going to be able to travel very much just because of some things that were happening at home. And my friend Googled the best beach in Wisconsin, thinking we'll just like go for a weekend. And it ended up bringing up North I think it's North Beach in Racine, Wisconsin. I think that's the name of it. We were a little surprised because it felt like we belonged in Florida. There were these sand dunes and this little cabana area. And we had looked into it, obviously, a little bit before we got there and brought our bikes so we could bike the bike path and stop for gelato. Just turned into this easy but authentic local experience. And we never paid for admission for anything. I think we might have bought pizza for takeout one night. And the last one I'll say in the beaches and swimming holes, some of them we come across by accident. So we were in San Diego. We were supposed to be doing a Major League Baseball stadium. Long story short, things didn't work out the way we planned, and we had some time to kill. And as a child, I remembered spending some time at La Jolla. And La Jolla is a pretty luxurious location, but they have these amazing coves. So we drove to La Jolla, and I saw a sign for Children's Beach. Again, I'm thinking, well, it says children's beach. Like it should be easy enough to just go down there and play on the beach. Yep. Not only was it amazing, in the midst of all of this playing on the beach and playing in the sand, seals were all over the place and it was completely legal. They didn't bother anyone, although there were some very, I mean, if you're going to be a tourist, don't be stupid. There were some really stupid things happening and I was so annoyed. I'm like, gosh, people are stupid. This is why you get on the news. We had a really cool experience where we were just kind of playing and this little seal came up relatively close to us that I got a picture of it. And it's like its face is like easy to see. There were other things where we were hiking around and seals would just kind of climb up on the coves and lay there. And you're like, what? It was so surreal. And I remember being like, what is happening? Should we even be here? And people are like, yeah, this happens all the time. Like, okay whatever. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it does. But in that moment, I remember feeling like they close the beaches when the seals come. They don't necessarily embrace them. 
I have a couple of listeners in my Facebook group who also offered a couple of things. I'm going to give a shout out to a couple of them. Melissa had shared a short video of snorkeling with leopard shark. She said happens right off the beach in late summer, or early fall. I'm like, how many times have we been sold on this idea that you need a charter boat to take you to this place to do these activities? If you know the right people, you can have those local experiences. Another one, Leslie pointed out that there's a natural water slide in Sequoia National Monument. And I checked it out and it was shocked. So if you want those resources, there's quite a few more too. There's some in Wisconsin uh, getting to Cana Island off of Door County. And there's a couple near Ephraim. So there's a lot of things and we're still curating. There's a lot of things happening in the Ordinary Sherpa Facebook page. So I'd encourage you to go there and check it out. So how do I go about doing this? My three tips for you to have an untourist experience. First of all, don't look at paid advertising. If you're going to Google a destination, go to at least page two on your Google results. I will say though, sometimes I look at Google businesses. So because that's where small businesses can start to shine is I look at Google business listings for that area. And then my second tip, read reviews. It is the single best tip that I would have in terms of finding really authentic flavors and locations and experiences is read. If someone felt strongly enough to share a review, that is goal. Read the reviews and use that to inform your strategy. And the third suggestion I would have is ask your network. You have a lot of people in Facebook communities. You have a lot of people in your network, personal and professional Tell people where you're going or what you're looking for. And I've always been thrilled by the generosity of what people share. People like to share what they've experienced. And if they had a really good experience, they want you to have a good experience as well. So asking your network has kind of been my third tip in terms of how do I curate an untourist experience. So those are my tips and guides and highlights in terms of what on tourism is. We have several more shows coming. One of them will be next week where we are going to be featuring guests who are local experts in their communities. So next week's guest is Nick Adams, who's from Sanibel Island in Florida. And then there are a number of things that are happening in the Facebook group. So I'd encourage you to come join the Facebook group. It's a great place to ask questions, to get insights. I know we had another one ask questions about a place in Arizona that she was thinking about going and wanted some insights. So it's a really great place to foster that connection, to help inform your potential itinerary and have a really authentic experience. As we close out this show, I have a challenge for each of you. I want you to think about wherever you live, what is the local experience? What are the adventures that you embrace that you would share with friends or family that don't necessarily cost anything? I really appreciate you participating in the Facebook groups. I really appreciate you subscribing to my newsletter. I really appreciate you leaving a written review. Those are really three things that help give Ordinary Sherpa the exposure to inspire new families to connect, grow, and have authentic adventure experiences. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.